It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Roll, Tide, roll. What a weekend for Alabama athletics. Basketball with a big win over Gonzaga. Football wins its 29th SEC championship, and the Tide is rolling. Tuscaloosa is buzzing, and I'm joined by Britton Johnson, who is in Tuscaloosa, who has also had a roller coaster of emotions the last 24 hours. Britton, welcome. How are you? Happy Sunday evening. Yeah, happy Sunday evening coming off of what can only be considered possibly the best day in Alabama athletics history. Uh, really, really blessed to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, I'm tired, uh, emotionally exhausted. We got back around five in the morning uh, this morning. So uh, didn't get the best night of sleep. But I can tell you, I feel great right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to sleep regardless if you were in Tuscaloosa, if you were on Mars, it really didn't matter. You couldn't really sleep after a game like that just absolutely, I don't want to say waxing Gonzaga, but kind of controlling the game. Um, And we'll get into those details here shortly. As we get started on week five of the Mean Streets podcast presented to you by Full Moon Barbecue, I want to remind everybody that we have merchandise available. I've purchased mine. I'm going to pick it up early this upcoming week. We've got hats, shirts, pullovers. There's a vest and there's a golf shirt. And all you have to do is go to bandwagonsports.com, click on Team Shop, and then click Mean Streets Apparel. We want you in your Mean Streets Apparel for all the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball games this year. Once again, that's bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop, then click on Mean Streets. Britain. I'm excited to hopefully Saturday night versus uh, Houston. Hopefully I'll have my shirt ready and on in Coleman Coliseum. I know we want to see a lot of Main Street's um, representation uh, in the Coliseum throughout this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It would be uh, really meaningful, I think, for both of us to, to see that kind of support. So that'd be really cool. And we've got stickers and all that stuff we'll get to towards the end of the show. But the Crimson Tide now 7-1, and one, as we mentioned, the win over Gonzaga. We're recording on Sunday night, so last night in Seattle on Saturday evening, 91-82. to 82, uh, Just one of the biggest wins in recent program history. Again, it's a non-conference game, but Gonzaga, uh, many media members are calling them one of the top teams in the country, and obviously so, as we saw last night. But Alabama able to maintain control. Britain. I'm just going to open the floor to you, let you have it, because I want you to fill us in from tip to buzzer. You know, what happened? How were we able to have so much success despite a lot of circumstances and things not going our way? Um, just take us back to Saturday night and take it away. Yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable game and an unbelievable statement win for the program. Um, you know, like you said, I thought even though it ended up being really close to the end, we kind of maintain control for the vast majority of the game. Um, and that's not to take, to take away from Gonzaga. Again, uh, like you said, they're considered one of the best teams in the country. They are one of the best teams in the country. And so uh, to go into, you know, it was a neutral site game, but it really was a road game in that it was in this fantastic arena in Seattle and probably a 95% uh, Gonzaga crowd um, and just a fantastic basketball atmosphere. And, a ton of fun to just even be a part of it and obviously to play as well as we did and come out on the winning side was absolutely amazing. 
Yeah. Well, um, let me let me ask you right there real fast. Sorry for interrupting. I know I said I'll let you go, but you said the five percent Bama. Do you think those are West Coast Bama fans? Did you recognize anybody? I mean, it was hard to tell from TV, but we did have some representation there. Oh, we did. We did. So, uh, you know, there were some family members there. Some of the Crimson Chaos came all the way across country to support. And so uh, a lot of respect to them and um, a lot of appreciation to them for that. And then you'd have some people that were Bama fans for the night. I don't think they're necessarily Bama fans. I saw a couple of guys in like 49ers hoodies that were just kind of giving it to the Gonzaga crowd that whole night. So that was a lot of fun that uh, I don't know who their home team is, but not Gonzaga, apparently. So. Um, you know, we did have some representation. I feel like if there wasn't, you know, some other sporting event uh, for Alabama that day, uh, we probably, particularly it being the SEC championship, I, I think we would have had more fans. But um, like I said, it was still a fantastic atmosphere. And um, while it was definitely a road game atmosphere, it was, it was a fun atmosphere. It was, it was something that you want to be a part of. So. I yeah, and just that. so aside from the atmosphere, very cool to see some Crimson representation um against a, a monster team like that but i apologize once again for interrupting but i just want to go back to just the statement win i mean is this something this is your fourth year in the program can you equate any type of win in the regular season to a game like this i mean just talk about what this felt like for you and what it felt like post game we saw the celebration pictures videos etc yeah i mean in terms of a non-conference game which you have to you know always keep it in, in perspective because uh these games matter, but they're not conference games and um, they are early in the season. I just can't remember anything uh, this monumental for the program. Uh, we've had opportunities. I don't even know if we've had an opportunity of this magnitude. And so to, to really take hold of this opportunity and, and um, you know, come out on top and like the only, there are a few games that kind of stand out as potential kind of season changing monumental wins. I think a lot of Bama fans will, remember the road win at Tennessee last year when they were a top 10 team and um, people didn't really know what to expect from our season yet. And um, so going into Tennessee and winning that one, I feel like that really shifted the mindset of a lot of Bama fans about the potential of that team. But even then, I mean, obviously that was the conference game. So matters a little differently in a, in a different way than, than this one does. But in terms of putting the nation on notice, I don't know that, there are very few teams that you can beat that matter as much as beating a Gonzaga that is this good of a team. Um, so really just an absolutely huge win. Um, I don't know that I can remember a regular season win that is as meaningful as this one is. Yeah, let's go ahead and get down into the X's and O's here. Anybody can read the stat line, but a couple things stand out. Obviously, Shackelford, I saw a tweet calling him West Coast Shack. Uh, near, you know, 38 and a half minutes, 28 points, carried the team offensively. Uh, but JD had 20. He was fantastic. JQ, 17. Talk to me about individual performances, guys that stood out, guys that helped the team, and maybe even if it wasn't point leaders, guys that made heads-up plays um, and helped kind of carry the team and push momentum a little bit for the Tide Saturday in Seattle. Absolutely. I mean, everybody that set foot on that court uh, – helped get this win. I'd argue that, you know, even the guys that didn't step foot on the court um, helped in preparing the team to win. And so uh, even the guys that I don't, won't necessarily give a direct shout out to, I mean, you won't talk a ton about Keon Ellis when looking back on this game, but 
there's no doubt if you watch it that he still left his imprint on this game. Uh, but the game absolutely starts with Shaq. Um, what a game. Dude was just absolutely on fire. Uh, put up 20 points in the first half, which is just an unbelievable number. I think he had 26, 27 with like seven minutes left. So he was just really uh, putting a lot of pressure on their defense and shooting the lights out of the gym. And you know, it's just something that's so frustrating if you're a defender to see it, you know, to close out on a guy and think you have a good closeout. Either he makes a great move or he just makes a very tough shot. Shaq was definitely making a lot of tough shots for us, and he really got the momentum going for us early in the first half. Um, obviously, beyond his scoring, Shaq has just developed into a really great defender as well, which is why he can play 38 and a half minutes in a game. And so really seeing his development and maturity there and his maturity into a leader has just been awesome to see. And I'm so happy and so proud of him and um, just happy that he's getting the, the recognition that he deserves. Um, from there, I think it's about time that we start making the case that Javon Quinterly JQ is the best point guard in America. Um, if there's a better point guard, uh, you have to find him for me because I don't know that there is one. I mean, he the way he distributes, the way he gets by his defender in every one-on-one situation, you're not going to be able to stay in front of him. Uh, he just he can get a paint touch at will, and he always makes the right play. And so. Um, I think he finished with 17 or so and just really he's the head of the snake. If you look at our team and how we run offensively and um, played phenomenally last night. Uh, And then, like you said, JD played a fantastic game. Charles Bediaka played a fantastic game. You talk about a freshman breakout game. I think both of those guys had that last night. Um, And JD four of six from three, um, I have a feeling that teams are going to stop going under on ball screens on him now that he had a shooting performance like that. Uh, Really stepped up on the defensive end as well. Had a couple of just unbelievably athletic plays that, you know, I think people that have watched his highlight clips have kind of come to expect on some level, but at the same time, uh, just huge in turning momentum of a game if they go on a mini run and then he just makes some ridiculous put back dunk and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, and then Charles, uh, matched up against Drew Timmy all night. Angry Chuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Drew Timmy being one of the best players in the entire country, uh, it's a very tough matchup and he had six blocks in the game. So just unbelievable defensive effort, rebounding effort from him. I think he had six or seven rebounds at the half. Um, I thought he played phenomenally well. Um, and really. I think I don't know how many points he finished with, but just constantly made the defense stay aware of where he is. And and he's just such a presence around the rim that you can't step up and help too much or it's an automatic lob dunk. And um, so, again, as we were talking about a few episodes ago about he is developing into the center that Alabama fans have been dreaming of for so long, I think we're starting to really get an idea of what his ceiling is. Uh, I don't know if we've even seen that yet, but just uh, a phenomenal game from him. And then yeah. let me, let me interrupt you here. He had six blocks, yeah. seven points, eight rebounds. And when you add all those together, I mean, six blocks and eight rebounds in and of themselves, like those specific stats, those are worth more than having 15 points um, in a case. And so that was, that was his stat line, but please, please continue on. I mean, that's, something that's invaluable, uh, especially out of a freshman that's a seven-footer. 
100%. And, you know, the way that that game flowed as well, there would be stretches. And, and he played a lot of that game in foul trouble too. So to tally six blocks in a game in which you're in foul trouble for most of it, it is so difficult to do. You have to time it up so well. You have to be smart. Um, and so I think that speaks about a lot of the characteristics and the qualities that he has as a basketball player. Um, but yeah, just a very smart player. And I think he uh, showcased that uh, last night. And then the hard hat winner of the night, Darius Miles, uh, stepped up in a massive way, massive way. I mean, we, we played him at the four for the majority of that game. And that means he was matched up against seven footer, number one in the country, uh, recruit Chet Holmgren who is a fantastic player, very skilled. Um, but Darius did not back down from that challenge. I thought he played tremendous. I thought he made a lot of hustle blue-collar plays. That's why he ended up winning the hard hat. Um, and just he was a guy that, you know, I think he was in foul trouble a little bit too. But when all the other forwards were really struggling with foul trouble, the ability to put him in that spot, in that position, and him play as well as he did, I think he is – as integral of a reason as anyone in terms of why we won that game and why we were so successful in that game. Um, and then if we're going to shout out one more guy, I just want to give a shout out to Noah as well, who I don't know how many points he ended up with. It wasn't a lot, but his defensive effort, uh, he was another guy that was matched up on Timmy for a lot of the game and it was on Chet for a lot of the game. So um, two very tough matchups. Those are, that's probably considered the uh, best front court in college basketball by many, um, and deservedly so. But he didn't back down an inch. He was going at those guys the entire game and was just giving great energy and, and play with great intensity throughout the game. And so uh, another big reason as to why we came out on top. Yeah, I think um, this this all goes back to how you said everybody that played contributed. And and we can sit here and talk about so many people. We can, you know, talk about coaching staff and support staff and players that just made this trip for y'all just an incredible experience. Um, because everybody plays a role when it comes to a game like that. If you're not able to perform, you know, if you're not able to get the right hydration, the right food in you, all these, all these external factors and things that pour into the game, everything just seemed to be clicking for y'all. Um, seems like it was a fun trip. Y'all got to go up to the Space Needle and you were able to provide inside um, an inside look on the Main Street's Instagram story. So if y'all were able to check that out, we hope uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, but all these guys just played phenomenally. And like you said, even the guys that didn't play, maybe didn't get in the game, made a contribution. Talk about that a little bit and what that means. I think that's just buy-in. I think that's what this, this team is about. You know, selfless love is one of our core values as a program. And um, I think it's something that we're starting to really gel. I think, I think the fans are starting to see it. Um, we've always had great chemistry, even going back to summer, fall. But uh, when you transition from practicing every day and everybody gets as many reps as they want, right, to now you're placed into roles. Now, we're playing games against other teams and your role every game might be different. And so how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond when you're not getting the minutes you want, when you're not getting the shots you want? Um, and what we've seen is that everyone's turned to, man, we, let's just buy in and be the best team we can be and everything else will take care of itself. And that's something we got to continue to try to be as good as we can at that. Um, but it's a work in progress always, but, it's really cool to see this early in the season, that level of buy-in. And I'm hoping that that's something that it's 
in a way it's easy to do and when you're playing Gonzaga right because while you probably want your minutes more than ever and your points more than ever you also recognize man this win would be huge for this program so it's, it's kind of easy in a way when it's against Gonzaga to, to buy in at that level so I'm hoping that when we play games that maybe don't have the same glamour as playing Gonzaga does that that same buy-in is still there uh, I yeah. think it will be because I think we have a team of mature guys and a team of guys that are really about each other but it's something that'll be a challenge throughout the season. Yeah. Britain, one thing we like to do on this podcast is kind of unfold the curtain and give you an, an inside all access look. So tell us about the trip. Did you have any time to watch the Bama game before? Maybe some of the first half? What'd y'all do beside things besides the Space Needle? Um, any funny stories, you know, from that cross-country trip? And then as you said, y'all took the red eye and landed in Birmingham at like three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, I'd like to say Seattle is a beautiful city it's my first time ever being there um that's one thing that's just been a real blessing of that the game of basketball has given me is just this opportunity to travel all over the country and I mean shoot the Bahamas as well it's kind of really expanded my horizons in a lot of ways and um I mean I would have never known that Seattle was as hilly as it is I'd never known that it was as beautiful as it is I mean you go up on the space needle and it's got this you can walk all the way around and you see downtown on one side and then you see uh mountains on the other side it's just it's just absolutely gorgeous um i definitely recommend taking a trip out there and also some of the best sports fans you'll ever see i mean that team that city really deserves an nba team uh i don't think the supersonics should have ever left but they deserve to have another shot at an nba franchise uh when talking to some of the employees that worked at the arena there they said they already have an nba locker room built in this new arena um and they're just, they're ready. I think the whole city is ready. I think last night was a showcase for that because I, I can almost guarantee you that a large portion of the crowd, I, I said 95% are Gonzaga fans. Uh, they probably cheered for Gonzaga for the night, but there were probably a large portion that were just basketball fans that love the sport of basketball and saw this as an opportunity to watch a great college basketball game. And so uh, it was an electric atmosphere. It was uh, just so fun to be a part of. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for everybody that put that event on. Um, and then outside of the Space Needle, so we saw the Space Needle. We also went to Pike Place Market, which is really cool. Just kind of walking around. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw local uh, influencer and celebrity Roger Hoover uh, on his social oh, media yeah. post sharing his, his local brew of Starbucks coffee. Not any Starbucks, though. No. Oh, that's because it's, cool. it's, it's, it started there, right? It's the original. So, uh, oh. yeah, it started in Seattle and in, in Pike Place, uh, I believe. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, but it, I mean, it, it, it tastes like char. So, that's just my hot take on that. Shout out to Hunter Letson. He agrees with me there. Um, how about how about any uh, any Brian passing stories from other local uh, celebrity and niche uh, micro internet celebrity Brian passing? Any, any passing stories from the trip? I don't know if I have anything from this one. Um, I think everybody was just having a really good time and enjoying uh, being in the city. Um, we were we were reminiscing a bit about uh, the legend of Antoine Petway in that city and how uh, he hit the game-winning shot in the round of 64 and in, uh, in that magical Elite Eight run. And then, and then they went on to beat Stanford, the number one overall seed, uh, a couple of days later. So we got to talk about that and then kind of, hype pet up to his face and you know he was enjoying reminiscing about that uh but outside of that you know 
we we didn't just talk a ton, but it was it was just a great trip. That's so great to hear. Uh, I want to say something too. You and I were talking before we hit record about kind of the Mean Streets bump recently. We uh, a couple episodes ago we talked about Angry Chuck just out of nowhere, um, and then he kind of he blew up. The na- nickname blew up like at the time. Then he had a really good game the following game. Can't remember exactly which one it was. Um, but there's been there's been a trend recently because we were talking about Shackelford last week and talking about him specifically, what he's like off the court. And so there's you know, we need to give ourselves credit here in that we're playing um, a role in terms of the success of this program, because there's been a mean streets bump. And when there has been for a certain player, they've stepped up in a following game the following week. So um, with that, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Britton Johnson and say what a great player he is. I look forward to his 25 and 12 uh, this Saturday night versus Houston. Yeah, you love to hear that kind of stuff, right? You know, we're at the stage now where it's a correlation, maybe and not causation. We hope it, you know, we, I don't think there's enough statistical data to necessarily say causation. Now, if I go off for 25 and 12, I think at that point it's absolutely causation. So we will we will see on that one. But uh, tell, it, tell Coach really I'm just a phone call away and can be hired as an analyst if you do go for 25 and 12 on Saturday. Yeah, that happens. I think you might have to be right. So uh, we will see, though. Um, but it has been cool to kind of see. Uh, it's almost like I'm there every day and kind of see that kind of stuff, you know. Crazy. It's almost like I see. Crazy how that yeah, works. it's almost like I see them at practice every day, and that uh, they shouldn't be defined by their first game or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really just I believe in the guys we have in this program, and you know, while we probably. I guess we talked about a lot of players today, but, you know, before them probably have only shouted out one, two, three guys in particular and kind of uh, highlighted them. We could do that with pretty much everybody in the program. Um, yeah, let's let's pick a staff member. Ways. Shout out shout out a staff member, coach, uh, support staff, somebody, you know, that maybe made a difference on this trip or has made a difference um, in your four years there. Um, take take two minutes and, and pick somebody, you know, out of a hat and um, – Let's let's highlight, you know, the staff, staff or coach member. Yeah, I mean, I'll give a shout out to uh, Coach Charlie, Charlie Henry. Um, he is instrumental in the success we have as a team. He's kind of our defensive coordinator, if you will. Um, and I mean, that dude works as hard as anybody in in the program, period. And he he just works his butt off. He he does everything he can to to get us ready every single game. I mean, he was going to guys, showing them clip after clip of like okay, in this situation, here's what you do. In this situation, here's what you do. And it's just, it's awesome to see that level of dedication and, and passion that he shows. He's also, I'll give him a shout out for this. He is the uh, head coach of the blue squad, the scout team. Um, so when we go out there, he, uh, he he gives us the plays to run. He kind of. Uh, so you were, you were number four in that, in that video they posted. Were you number four or number zero? Zero. I was number zero, zero which was a uh, straw there who is kind of their shooter. So. That was a lot of fun. I was I was definitely trying to get my shots up. Um, had a good had a good practice the day before, so hopefully that prepared our guys to give good closeouts. But um, it, it's a lot of fun. I love being the the shooter. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, this- it's a lot of fun. But yeah, Charlie Henry, uh, you know, Coach Oates gets a ton of credit for everything we do, and it's one hundred percent deserved. I think we have an absolute gem of a head coach, one of if not the best head coach in the entire country. Um, but we are very, very fortunate to have a guy like Charlie Henry on the staff who, um, is so instrumental to the success of the program. I mean, you talk about, I think we finished number two or number three in the country last year in defensive efficiency. Um, obviously we had a lot of players that 
that played a big hand in that. I'm not going to say Herb Jones didn't have a huge impact in that. Um, I mean, you're seeing what he's doing on the Pelicans now. Uh, shout out Herb. But um, at the same time, in terms of just really kind of uniting the team on the defensive end, who, who really challenges us to be the best version of ourselves on that end of the floor, and obviously offense too, but uh, he really is focused on defense. And um, we didn't pitch a shutout last night, but we pitched a complete game, very, very strong outing. And he is a huge, huge reason that was the case. That's awesome. Great to hear. And we're going to try and continue that mean streets bump. Brian Passing just texted me, and I think he maybe has – um, some tingling sense that he knows we're recording and he's looking for a shout out or he's looking for that mean streets pump, but that's not going to come this episode. Well, we might have you on later, Brian. We'll see. Um, Britton, we're going to, let's jump into talking about Houston. We'll do a brief preview of Houston. We've got our mailbag question afterwards. We'll get to our football and our hot takes. I was in Atlanta Saturday. And as you said, at the beginning, we're still kind of coming down off this cloud nine, um, but let's jump right into Houston Saturday night, nine o'clock on ESPN two, nine o'clock central time. That is on ESPN two. That's going to be a late one. It's going to be a really good game. Houston's a really good team. The 24 hour rule is obviously a football thing, but maybe a little bit of a basketball thing. Has there been any talk about Houston? Any talk about, cause y'all have got finals this week and all that. Um, what's the plan moving forward to prepare for a, a solid team coming to town in the Houston Cougars? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. They gave us the day off today. So um, still enjoying the 24-hour rule. Haven't quite moved on yet. That said, uh, I think we know the challenge that Houston presents. Uh, they are going to be – I don't know what they're going to be when the new rankings come out, but I'd imagine top 10, top 12 uh, team. And they are not going to come in afraid to play at Alabama. And their final four team from last year, they are known as just one of the best tenacious rebounding teams in the entire country they crashed like uh no other team in the country i mean they they're probably the best offensive rebounding team in the country and that really boosts their offensive efficiency um so we're gonna have to really key in on rebounding this game but they are really a terrific program it, it's really cool that we're at the point as a program that we get to play all these elite non-conference games and um they're going to be a great challenge for us. I'm really, really excited for it. Jumping into our mailbag question. This one comes from Kyle Shirley um, from message on Twitter. Once again, we want y'all to follow us on Twitter at mean streets pod, Twitter and Instagram. Kyle asked Britain, what kind of emphasis is there on practicing free throws? There's been a lot of talk, especially in past years um, where free throws have maybe been an issue in a particular game or maybe down a certain stretch. But what does Coach Oates do specifically? What does he expect of y'all in terms of your free throw performance, what you do on your own, and what you do as a team? Yeah, I mean, there's a great emphasis placed on, on free throw shooting. Uh, our practices are competitive by nature. So every drill is a competition. There's a winner and a loser. The loser runs a sprint. The winner, uh, whoever, most games are to eight. So if you make the game-winning shot for that drill, you have to shoot a free throw. If you make it, the game quote unquote counts. If you miss it, the game doesn't. You do 10 push-ups. And so whoever wins the most games by the end of the day wins the day, quote unquote. And the, you know, so there's there's that element of it. Uh, and you don't want to lose the day because you might have to run sprints for it. So uh, which is also determined by determined by free throws. So there's a great emphasis placed on pressure free throw shooting. Along with that, 
uh, at every shootout shoot around we do, we uh, have a free throw drill where it's again competitive by nature, but it puts pressure on you to to make your free throws. And then outside of all of that, um, our GAs uh, constantly work with our guys, and and free throws is constantly a point of emphasis. So there is great emphasis placed on free throws. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, that's important to hear because I mean it's something that really comes down to the individual, but if there's no practice and there's no team accountability, that's an area a team can struggle in. Um, thankfully, nothing too grand this year that that hasn't quite been an issue. Um, moving from the hardwood now to the turf, where let's go cross country from Seattle to Atlanta. I was in Atlanta yesterday. I had us covered on the social media. You were in Seattle, had us covered on the social media there and had us covered, you know, hands-on in, in person for the program. Um, but Britain, I mean, you talked about earlier yesterday, the biggest day in Alabama athletics history. I cannot believe what I saw in Atlanta. And then it was wrapped up by a phenomenal performance. Great win in Seattle. And, you know, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the SEC championship. If you'd had time to go back and look at it today on your day off, um, let's get to some hot takes. I've been waiting since the end of the game yesterday to jump on this podcast and record with you on this week five mean streets. Um, I, my hot take, I've, I've just got to get it out there. Neither Alabama basketball nor Alabama football winning yesterday was a surprise to me. I was genuinely excited because I didn't quite know what to expect, but I think I can still in that same light say that I wasn't surprised. Um, I, you know, if you would have told me last week, if we were recording week four last week, at this time. And we said, and I, and I was to try and convince you that Alabama football is the best team of the country. I don't think I would have had a hard time doing that. And yesterday's win solidifies that. And also if I, if you were to ask me to convince you and tell you that uh, Alabama basketball is a top five team in the country, I think I could have told you that in October. Um, and, and yesterday's win also solidifies that. So two big wins, not surprising to me, but also very exciting because the rest of the nation kind of figured out what we know in the state of Alabama and as Alabama fans, as Alabama players, people in Alabama athletics in and around. Um, no, neither of those wins were surprising. However, they were extremely enjoyable. Yeah, 100%. Um, I got to watch the first half in its entirety. And then uh, I was sneaking, like getting to stream it on the bus to the game. So I saw like Jameson Williams, Touchdown in the second half, I saw Helms pick in the second half, and then that was about all I saw. I watched the entire highlights back um, after the game, and I was kind of like – I was asking managers and stuff when we were warming up. I was like, hey, update. And so I kind of – and other guys were asking me because they knew I was going to be the first to know. So uh, so it was really cool to kind of have that going on. Uh, incredibly, incredibly proud of our football team. Uh, Bryce showing you, they should just go ahead and mail them the Heisman. I mean, it – the dude should just about be a unanimous pick. If there are any votes against them, it should be because they're voting for Will Anderson. But um, he he just dismantled this Georgia defense that has kind of been heralded as the greatest defense this century. Um, I don't know. They've been they've been placed at this all time elite level, and they I might have been the greatest defense, defense of last century. But I mean, Jordan Davis <laughs> couldn't even stay on the field for more than two plays in a row, three plays in a row. He I was mean, struggling. And, and, and to, to be blocked by an Alabama offensive line that has quote-unquote struggled all year in terms of the lens of an Alabama fan, I mean, it was, it was domination. Yeah, Georgia started up 
on a 10 to zero run. But guess what happened after that? Alabama went on a 41 to 14 run. You ha- I had a Georgia fan in behind me, a couple of us behind me. It gets to the middle of the third quarter. Bama had, you know, Georgia gets a couple three and outs or whatever. Bama gets the, the pick six and, um, there's, they start screaming. They want JT Daniels. Uh, put Stetson Bennett on. And B- Bama fans are asking, you know, why haven't y'all played JT all year? Like, why do you keep playing Stetson? No, I don't know. Stetson's terrible. We hate Stetson. Yada, yada, yada. This, that, and the other. We want JT Daniels. And it's like, well, have you stopped? And you have you spent time to think about what what's going on here? Like, maybe you're not the number one team in the country. Maybe you're not the best team. Maybe this is Alabama. And maybe Alabama is the best team in the country. And, you know, Jordan Davis shouldn't win the Heisman, just like whoever that player is from Michigan shouldn't be considered a better defensive player than Will Anderson. All these things, that was the year. That was the game. That is the Georgia team. And, you know, there's still a chance Alabama and Georgia meet in the playoff. Hopefully I don't have to eat my words here in about a month's time. But if Georgia was going to do it, they were supposed to do it in Atlanta. They were supposed to do it in the SEC championship against their first try against Alabama, and they couldn't do it. The 41-24, the exact yeah. same score as last year in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and, you know, I, I predicted uh, an Alabama victory last week on the pod, and I'd be lying if I said that this was the manner in which I thought we would win the game. Um, I thought we were going to block better than we did against Auburn because, to be frank, we couldn't block a lot worse than we did, especially in that first half. Um that said, I didn't necessarily think we were going to put up 41 on them. And I thought it was going to be one of those games that we put up maybe three touchdowns offensively. Maybe we get a defensive touchdown somewhere in the game. And, and our defense just kind of shuts them down. And, you know, I, I don't want to say I feel bad for Setson Bennett. You know, he threw two picks. I don't know that he was really built for the moment. But at the same time, all those Georgia fans that were crying about him, like you were saying, he wasn't the issue. Like, if, if he played it that way every single game, which, you know, they would still be fine every single game just about. Their defense has been lights out this year. They really have. And um, credit to Doug Maroon, credit to Bill O'Brien. You know, that's kind of my hot take of the week. We, as Alabama fans, or really just the sports fans in general, need to be a lot better about praising people when they do things well. Um, Bill O'Brien and... Doug Marone and Pete Golding, we are very, very quick to criticize, um, very slow to praise. And Bill O'Brien called a beautiful game. Uh, Doug Marone, I don't know what he did between last week and this week, but I think it was very clear that that O-line was told this entire week, you guys can't block them. There's no way. Everyone's saying you guys are going to get destroyed by this Georgia D-line. And, I mean, they played with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they were They were completely – they were awesome the whole game. And they were, I mean, when they were, Georgia was doing stunts, they were protecting the quarterback still, they were making the right blocks. And um, they just stepped up in a major way. Obviously, Bryce played great. J-Mo played great. It sucks that Mechie got hurt. He was playing great up to that point. Um, so, you know, praying for him. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I want to like, stop you right there. Roger, shout out to Roger Myers, A, who I sat with last night, but B, brought up a, a – um, point to me this morning in a, in a group shout out to the grumpy gumps uh scott cochran was in the building and an alabama player tore their acl can't say it's a coincidence but it might be it might be i don't know there's still, there's still no better graphic than the scott cochran first round picks graphic oh that georgia gosh. made that's just a bunch of alabama players like but, built by scott cochran like sir 
Yeah, sir. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the deal with the game. And, and again, I don't want to speak too early. There's a very, very strong chance that it ends up being a Georgia-Alabama national championship game. And I, I hope and, it is. I hope, you know, Alabama gets the chance to beat them twice. That'd be great. And it'd be great as long as we do beat them twice. I think we're the better team. But, you know, whenever you're in that situation, you just, there's always a chance that something goes awry. Uh, but that said, like you were saying, this is the Georgia team. I mean, if if Kirby Smart is ever going to get that win over Saban, it is this year. Um, and, and here's the other point on this Alabama team, though. We are so underrated. I know we just got ranked as the number one seed. Um, but this team, the team that played the last couple minutes of that Auburn game, and I think there's something to be said for the adversity they went through there and overcame and how that glued them together going into this SEC championship game. But, I mean, we were on Thursday riding into Birmingham to the airport, and the whole time Paul Feinbaum show was on. And, I mean, Feinbaum was not giving us a remote chance. Every Alabama fan that would get on that thought that Alabama had a chance to win, he was mocking them. And I've never seen an Alabama team that disrespected before, ever, ever. And, Absolutely. I mean, we've been underdogs. Poison. We've been underdogs twice since 2009, but I think there was a both times people gave us a chance, right? I mean, nobody gave Alabama a chance in this game. Uh, like Saban said, that rat poison was yummy. Um, and they they acted like they were the underdogs. They came out and just played like they were starving for success. And, man, that was a vintage Alabama performance. Say what you want about maybe the way this Alabama team has played throughout the year, but they have found ways to win. And now they have developed into a team that is a team I'm proud to root for. I'm proud to be associated with them in some way. So uh, excited for the playoffs, you know, since in the first round, um, uh, it's going to take me a while to get over that Georgia win and that Auburn win. I mean, that was just uh chef's kiss. That was perfect. And yeah, um, maybe, maybe next week when our emotions have settled down a little bit and who knows, because we're playing Houston at nine o'clock next Saturday night. So emotions might spill into Sunday. Um, but we'll, we'll give a more of a college football playoff breakdown. You know, the, uh, the Auburn Tigers are home for the holidays. They're, they're headed up, game. taking, taking the, um, international international jet from lee county up to to birmingham for the the birmingham bowl um which huge, which huge i will game. say is is in that new stadium in birmingham where they had the hsaa football playoffs and all that so that's you know a really cool new stadium um should be a a good football environment um but i think it's been a while since auburn has been in the birmingham bowl I want to give a shout out. Um, I don't like to do a self plug here, but that tweet about Nolan Smith and Georgia's defensive mindset, I've got it pulled up here. I tweeted it last night towards the end of the game. I said, I've been saving this one for a while. I like to keep receipts on the teams that Alabama plays and the, the quotes the opposing players make early on in the year. Nolan Smith said earlier this season, I don't care if we're playing the New England Patriots, they don't get in our end zone. That's Nolan Smith, Georgia player on the Bulldogs' defensive mindset. Um, Nolan, what, what in the world that I know Georgia gave up like 6.8 points a game all year up until Alabama. And now their average is like 9.3 or something. But I mean, come on, dude. If you I, I know you some... potentially have Alabama on your schedule, you, you, you can't say that. You can't say I, it. I saw something that Alabama scored. Like it was something like 32% of all the points Georgia gave up. This entire year, um, you know, it's not really their fault. I saw Jameson's pregame outfit, 
Um, oh my that gosh. was worth two touchdowns by itself. So I might make that the cover of this podcast. On, once he put that on, I said, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's two touchdowns right there. And, and, you know, the first deep post that he had, that was the first touchdown of the game. It's kind of reminiscent of Henry Ruggs and at South Carolina game that you were at. Um, when it's just like you get him in the open field and it's like, nobody is catching that. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. He's gone. That's the yeah, thing. He, so, he, he started running down the sideline and I'm sitting next to, to Roger Myers, and I put my arm around him. I'm like, he's gone. Don't even – I mean, just point it up, look at the scoreboard. And I'll say this, too. This was funny. George Pickens, who played at Hoover, went up against Kool-Aid, who played at Pinson Valley. Mm-hmm. So, two two Birmingham guys. And uh, George – this was the Georgia – I think their last touchdown play when they scored to go from 17 to 24. And it was that run-in. And it was on near side for us from where we were sitting. And – George is blocking Kool-Aid anyways as a wide receiver DB do. And Kool-Aid you know, gets in his face on a block or whatever. George pushes him away, and George does like the hand down. You know the thing where you go like, he's too little, he's too small. Yeah. And Kool-Aid, who, you know, by his stature, yeah, he's a lot smaller than George Pickens, and he's younger too. I think he's, he's two, maybe three years younger than he is. Uh, Kool-Aid just looks up, points at the halo board, says, scoreboard. He <laughs> looked at him, he goes, scoreboard. And it was – 38 at that point maybe it was 41 um but that was just too funny and i mean the the georgia players it was all emotion for them and i think that was the biggest thing is alabama had been in that alabama had been the hunter and the hunted and alabama was ready for a for a position like that yeah i just hope the national media i saw uh kirk owned up to his take i hope the rest of the national media is ready to apologize to that team because uh the disrespect that was handed out to them this week. I mean, I loved it from the standpoint of I just kind of was waiting. I was like, we're going to see how it turns out. But usually disrespecting a Nick Saban coach football team doesn't turn out very well for you. 36-minute point in week four, 36 and a half minutes through I don't even know how much. But you and I, we were talking about this exact point last week. So so we've, we've hit on this, and we were spot on because this is the Main Streets podcast, and, and we don't miss. 100%. Britain, um, Britain. that's going to wrap it up for week five of the Main Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. Really enjoyed this one. Uh, thank you to Kyle Shirley for your mailbag. Hey, everybody, we want you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. You're going to get an exclusive inside look at Alabama baske- basketball brought to you um, exclusively by Britton Johnson. Tune in to our Twitter post game. We're going to try and do some more spaces throughout the season. We've got stickers. Britain has got those physically in Tuscaloosa. You can get merchandise, Mean Streets Podcast merchandise on bandwagonsports.com. That's www.bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop, then click on Mean Streets and purchase your hat, shirts, pullovers, vest, and golf shirt today. That Visit bandwagonsports.com. Want to give a shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Full Moon Barbecue, for their support of the podcast. If you're hungry, if you need tailgate food, or next time you're by Full Moon, swing in and check it out. We've got Full Moon Barbecue gift cards as well. So follow our social medias and be on the lookout for how you can win a Full Moon Barbecue gift certificate. That's going to do it here for us on week five of the Main Streets podcast. I'm William Galloway. Britton, you have got the final word. Take it away. We mentioned it in passing, but big, big, big game, big home game this Saturday. Uh, We'd love to see everybody there. We'd love to have a sold out Coleman. Uh, I know it's late, but it'll be well worth your time. It should be a fantastic atmosphere and a fantastic game. So roll tide.